Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. So, hey crew, new year, new decade. Let's have some new Pure Dog Talk promos while we're at it, shall we? Alright. Our patrons group continues to grow and thrive. It's like the NPR of dogdom. It's so cool. And Pure Dog Talk offers you, my loyal listeners, an opportunity to get in on the fun. Pure Dog Talk patrons are invited to join a closed Facebook chat group just for you. And I promise you, no drama mamas, no keyboard warriors, just fabulous, supportive, pure dog talk fans. That's it. Each month, I pick a photo submitted by our patrons group to be the cover image on the Facebook page. You guys have seen it. And anybody with a quick question gets immediate feedback from moi personally, as well as input from the array of patron group members. Pretty fun. The patrons group also gets first dibs on podcast topic suggestions. So if you have something you want to hear about, that's a good way to do it. And to celebrate the new year, I'm adding a whole new technological challenge to my life. Oh my God. I will be hosting Facebook live discussions for patrons only on the final Monday of each month from 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific time zone. Y'all join us from wherever you are, but that's when they'll be. Just a few of our planned topics of conversation include advertising on a shoestring budget. (laughs) Yeah, trust me, we can talk about that. Campaigning a special just for runner handlers. Problem solving the stack. Tricks of the trade for grooming. Like, what products do I like or anybody else like? Open mic, Q&As, all that kind of stuff. What you guys need to know is that the generosity of Pure Dog Talk's patrons is literally what keeps the MP3s running here. The money is set aside exclusively for overhead and operational expenses. That's it. Now, I'm incredibly grateful to our corporate sponsors. You have no idea. They have the dedication to purebred dogs and the resources to ensure that Pure Dog Talk remains a powerful voice for purebred dogs. That you guys, y'all believed in this mission and you've supported it from the beginning. You are the heart and soul of my crusade to provide all purebred dog lovers a constantly growing, challenging treasure trove of knowledge in a 21st century format. Like a So... Just click the Be My Patron on Podbean button on the website. It's quick, it's easy, it's secure. And I hope to see all of you on the next Facebook Live chat. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I'm your host, Laura Reeves. And we have one of our favorite returning guests. This is Kristen Sandsteed from Big Moose Dog Training. And Kristen and I were talking, and it seems like a great topic for us to look at with our dog training is that we've got summer coming. 
and there's barbecues yes. and there's people and there's activities and there's all kinds of fun stuff. And so what we should be thinking about is how to have our dog be a wonderful summer family gathering barbecue block party companion. Love it. Here's to an early spring. Yeah, right? Exactly. I think this is a good plan. So we talked a little bit about reactive dogs last time, and I think we can kind of include that in the conversation, Kristen, but I also want to just think about your average dog, right, in the household, companion dog, show dog, whatever it is. What are some of the things that we can do to include our pets in our activities and have them be good citizens? Oh, great question. I love how you use the word include. Yes. Yes. So finding ways that your dog can be included, but at a level that they are able to handle, meaning in the Norman Rockwell picture perfect world that we wish we lived in, all of the dogs would be smiley and waggy and standing five feet off the front door when the doorbell rings and patiently allowing all of the guests to come in as they just stop doing the eyes. Because I don't. <laughs> I don't either. But that's the picture we have in our head about our dogs when company comes over. So maybe what we and need to do is adjust our expectations, yeah? That's usually step one on the fix-it scale, <laughs> is working with the dog you have at the level that they are currently at. So we have this vision that they're just going to make all these perfect decisions and mingle with our company without trying to steal the food from the toddlers or the plate that was left on the coffee table at Nosewall or any of those types Knock of things. Knock over the beer and, bottle somebody set down, for example, right. you know. And drink it. Trying to jump up on all of the guests and interrupting the cornhole game and stealing the bean bags. So we have this vision that they're just going to perfectly behave and it doesn't work that way. So setting the dogs up for success in that having a plan before your guests arrive on what can my dog handle, where are their trouble areas, and how do I set it up so my dog and my guests have a good time is the biggest thing. So there's so many moving parts when it comes to company coming over and having a party. And some of us are extroverts and some of us are introverts. And some of our dogs can't handle a 10-hour 4th of July gathering where people are coming and going for hours and hours on end. Like, they mentally and visually get tired. And just like toddlers, when they get tired, everything goes sideways. So getting to know your dog and knowing what they can handle and what they can manage and giving them a polite reason to leave the party and maybe having some downtime if they need it before they have nuclear meltdown. We come into this and we have this conversation on a pretty regular basis, I think, with our puppy people and with people in your class. God made dog crates for a reason. <laughs> yes, yes. And some of our dogs need to be crated at different stages during the family gathering or the barbecue or what have you. For example, everyone is shocked to hear that 
the reception arrow will give you in any one of my classes on the street is not the reception you will receive if you show up at my house. Right. And there is zero amount of training that I can do that is going to extinguish that down to zero. Not going to happen. I can manage it. I can minimize some of that. But when God was handing out the Pritarthan Home with a Vengeance genes, she showed up at that station and said, oh, yes, please, and can I have Taylor's too? (laughs) I want my sister's as well. She doesn't need it. I'll take both. People are flabbergasted at that, but that's just the truth, and it's who she is, and it's not 100% bad because the number one current of burglars is what? A barking dog. dog. Yeah, and not just a dog, but one that will make some noise. Whether or not they're going to follow through on that threat or not, it doesn't matter. Drawing attention. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't feel like I need a guard dog in my life. She disagrees. So it's kind of an ongoing conversation she and I have at the house. How much do I really need? So then what are your management techniques? That's what we all need. Everybody has that one dog. And so let's talk about it. Training and mitigating. Right. I think if I would have had more traffic at my house, that would have helped. I don't. I still don't. I never have. I probably never will. So it's always be a challenge because we don't have the opportunities to practice that a soccer mom who everybody comes to her house has. I just don't have as many opportunities to practice. So that's another reason that I'm never going to extinguish it down to zero. So What I do is we had a big hoopla a couple summers ago, lots of people coming and going at different times. And here's the kicker. I wasn't going to be the first one in the door, which makes a huge difference because I am her primary handler. So the strategy I took was first person in the door who lives there. Everyone gets out for a potty break and then put arrow in a crate upstairs, back bedroom, shut the door. We're just going to take that off the table and nobody has to deal with it while I'm not there. And she doesn't have direct line of sight. She also has less bird traffic noise because the bedroom is far away from the front door and she's perfectly content to be in her crate and with the door closed and we had a radio or the TV, I don't even remember, done. And then we can enjoy the, oh, hi, so glad you made it. Oh, thank you. Oh. This is so-and-so without having to think about any of that. Right. So as the party wore on and people settled in and the food was all served up and I had kind of made sure there were no plates laying down at nose level (laughs) because, you know, they're opportunist and she likes to eat just like her mom. So, you know, so I got my high value treats because you always want your payroll to equal your workload. Yeah. And having a bunch of people at your house that normally has zero people that don't live there is a big workload. So high value treats. I think I even took some of the chicken and hot dogs upstairs with me on my way, (laughs) got out of the crate, did some sits and downs before we even left some recalls in the bedroom. Because concentrating her mind that she was actually now going to be working. Right. So we all have two parts of our brain. We have the hindbrain, which is the muscle memory, the reactionary, your lizard part of the brain, your fight or flight. That all lives there down by the spine. 
And then the front part of your brain, which is your linear thinking, problem-solving thinking part of your brain. So I wanted my dog in the front part of her brain where she was thinking and solving problems, not in the back where, you know, somebody jumps out at you out of the shadows and what do you do? You swing your purse and hit them, right? There's no thinking. It just happens. So that's just reaction. So I wanted her thinking and I wanted her to know that not only am I asking you to think, I'm going to totally make it worth your while because look, hot dogs and chicken, hot off the grill. Nummy. And then I'm going to make it worth your while to ask you to do what I'm about to ask you to do. So from there, I put the leash on because then if it goes sideways, we're attached and I can at least back up and back out of the situation. Pause here for half a second, Kristen, because this is something I have found to be super useful in various situations, new puppy, new environment, new understanding, you know, whatever it is, not just that your dog is attached to you, but that connection of communication. I don't use my leash to communicate. I use my voice and my body language to communicate. I use my leash as a safety net so you can't leave the scene. (laughs) Okay. So I do it a little differently because what I have found is when you say leash as a mode of communication, in my head, that makes me picture I'm going to apply leash pressure to get you to move this way or that way. And I have found as soon as you apply leash pressure, tighten up on that leash, on a stressed or reactive dog, they immediately blow up into, they're standing there watching the cars drive by on a loose leash, but the second you tighten up on that leash and put pressure on the collar, they react. So I spend a lot of time working on my end of the leash and keeping it loose whenever possible. We don't live in a perfect world. Sometimes my dog drifts to the end. I think what you and I are saying is actually probably the same thing with a different application. (laughs) Um, And and I think that's really important for people to hear. And so the way I try to explain it to people is dog's basic function is to push when you pull, pull when you push. Right, opposition reflex. If you physically put weight and push a dog in a direction, it's going to lean into you. We use this in dog handling all of the time. And so if you pull on the collar, the dog's automatic reaction is to pull the other way. I mean, this applies in all kinds of situations. And so if your goal is to always have a loose leash, I think that we are saying the same thing. We're probably achieving it in different ways, but we're acquiring the same end result. Right. Good. And I like to use my leash in the house. Puppies. Yes. Teenage dogs. Dogs that might not know how to react the first time you host a party um, because it prevents victory laps. Who's faster? You or the dog? Dog. (laughs) So it prevents your dog from like doing victory lap zoomies, jumping on people and knocking stuff over because you're on leash. So I can prevent my dog from going too far off the rails. I can keep them close to me, and then I can control how close they get to all of the exciting things that are happening at a party or a barbecue or a get-together. Sometimes when you tap a friend on the shoulder to get their attention or 
just kind of tap your dog's leash and collar to focus their attention on you, it is a useful way to break an uncomfortable interaction. <laughs> All kinds of things. Yeah. And sometimes you do have to touch your dog. They're so intense. Squirrel, rabbit. But I like to build up my recall so that I can use my recall to do the same thing without touching. Nice. And we talked last time about having watch me on cue. And I said, I have it, but I haven't been using it as much as I used to. But I pay top dollar for voluntary eye contact. So again, that same kind of principle in a slightly different fashion in that when in doubt, look at me. When in doubt, check back in and look at me and I'll, I'll help you out as best I can. So I have it. It's strange how it's kind of evolved for me that I don't use touch and leash as much as I use recall and voluntary eye contact. Because from the bedroom, I then went into the hallway, recall, recall, and paused at the top of the stairs. So now we can hear all of that there's a party going on. And I just stood there and waited until she glanced at me. And as soon as I got that voluntary eye contact, I used my marker where, yes, and she got hot dog chicken, whatever I was holding. Right. So getting that, okay, there's something going on, check in with mom. Oh, Mm -hmm. good, good. Because if your dog is looking at you, the distractions are less distracting. And, P.S., you have their attention. I don't have to touch or talk or do anything because she's already oriented to me waiting for instructions. Are we going down the stairs? Are we not going down the stairs? Do I need to do something first? Right. So I started slowly going down the stairs. And again, that voluntary eye contact. And she's older. So she was four at the time. Lots of repetitions of lots of things before this big event. If I would have had a younger dog, it might have been too much. And if at any point they weren't willing to take hot dogs or chicken, that's my dog's way of saying, it's just too much today. And I would have said, okay, good to know. You can hang out in the crate. It's not your quinceanera. You don't need to come down and make an appearance if you're not ready. <laughs> I would certainly, if your dog isn't up for that, don't force them into that. If they're not willing to eat chicken, they're not ready to be in that environment. So why spoil your relationship with your dog by making them do a big public appearance that they aren't ready for. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, crew. Embark is really, really committed to providing a resource for responsible breeders and purebred dog enthusiasts. And we know these are tough times. And to help serve breeders right now, When we need it, starting in April, Embark is going to reduce its prices significantly through a series of sales and programs to help make the DNA testing even more accessible for everybody. So stop by, visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders, or hop onto their Embark for Breeders Facebook page and take a look at what they have on offer. As always... Embark's leading DNA test kits provide a comprehensive assessment of your dog's genetic health, genetic diversity, and physical traits. 
and I can tell you, I just got Let's back kind of the two embark tests that, that I had done on my own started, dogs, which I thought was really and it great. was so cool. You know, and in I spent society, like half the day more aware clicking of the through all the fun stuff. Part of so stop by the so Pure Dog the Talk website and click of the Embark logo on the homepage and, I think it's and easy take a look at what they have on offer. Some dogs, just like some people, are never going to be as comfortable as state, as whatever, in a large group. Have some respect for that. Right. And the other thing that I have noticed with Arrow is that she has the ability to do big public events, like big, and big weekend events, and put in long hours. But now that I've quit being selfish okay working on being less selfish and started being a better listener she gets tired like I start to notice at the end of the day that she is mentally tired and things start to go slightly sideways like for example last Friday we rented the agility field we spent an hour doing that we went over to somebody's house had a play date with other dogs Somebody else showed up with their dog. We had dinner. So now we've got like mealtime and dogs running loose, wrap up dinner, clear the tables. And by the time we were getting ready to leave, I could kind of see the, I don't know how to describe it. You know, when the direct TV isn't coming and you start getting static, like you can start seeing (laughs) the cracks. As someone who is an introvert, I see it in my dogs. I see the dogs who thrive on interaction. And the dogs who will do it, but it exhausts them. And that is part of knowing and listening to your dog and respecting who each individual dog is. And it is rarely by breed. It is often by individual. Right. Um, Some breeds more inclined to be social animals than others, but absolutely not exclusive by breed. I wonder if my dog's an introvert then. <laughs> I've got some clients that will totally get a kick out of that. Extrovert Kristen has an introvert dog. <laughs> I really and sincerely believe that. And that's not so much on a training piece, right? Because you have no. really done the training steps. This is what I'm hoping you can share with the listeners. Those training steps that take a dog who's not necessarily an extrovert, allows them to deal in an extrovert environment, and then has enough respect for them to let them shut down at the end of the day and have their quiet time outside on the deck where nobody talks to them. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I wish this was a video call because you could see the giant neon light bulb that just went off above my head. Aha, a huge aha movement because she recharges when it's just her and I. She recharges when we're having quiet time. Huh, that was an introvert. So, so listeners, here's a thing. Know your dog, use your skills that you get from Kristen and from her other trainers, but know your dog and understand and accept that each dog is an individual and each dog communicates differently and experiences and goes through life differently. And that is, to me, an enormous piece of dog training. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. Say it louder for the people in back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so keep talking us through your party because I think this is a great, like, everybody can relate to this, right? So you've got yes. her doing a watch me. She's coming downstairs. She knows there's going to be a party. She's, like, stealing herself for this. Like, damn right. there's people here. So right. like, how are you working her through that? What are your steps that you're getting her through that in a way that allows her to take her little introvert self and 
interact with people in an extrovert way. Right. So on your pillow is the duct tape that I have eight rolls of in my training bag. I use on your pillow to solve like all of the world's problems. Okay. Right. So I spend a lot of time teaching my dogs on your pillow. Some people call it place. Like, you can call it whatever you want, but all of my dogs have a dog bed and they all know on your pillow and they go to their bed. And again, in the perfect world, once I say on your pillow, everybody stays there until I give you your release word and invite you back off. So whether it's kids feeding dogs off the table or grandpa, I had a grandpa who liked to feed dogs off the table or whether it's a dog who likes to dash through the door or whether it's a dog who's scared of strangers. You just adopted this dog and they're worried about all these people that are coming over or Aunt Lydia who likes to hug all the dogs. Yes. All the dogs don't like to be hugged. Right. Using the place command in those situations is really useful. Yes. So I give my dog some place to be and something to do. And then it's my job as the person to strategically place the bed at a distance that, again, my dog can handle. So if I have a really shy dog or a nine-month-old dog who's going through that second fear stage and maybe having some stranger danger, I'm going to put the pillow on the far side of the living room with all of my guests on the opposite side as my dog, right? We still have direct line of sight. I can sit next to my dog's pillow for moral support. I can use my high-value treats to reinforce staying on their bed. And there's no stress for my dog that somebody's going to come over and invade my personal space because they're all over there. Oh, strangers aren't so bad. I sit here and get hot dogs. Cool. I can do that. Right. So I love on your pillow. So that's what we did. We got her down. We put her on her dog bed, which happened to be in the middle of all the hubbub. But, you know, it worked and it was fine. And then she was very comfortable to stay there. The people who knew her and wanted to pet her kind of rotated their way around. I periodically would go reinforce for on your pillow. Then we all kind of moved outside and everyone's chilling in the shade with their cold beverages. And I moved both my dog beds onto the patio and both my dogs did on your pillow while everyone was sitting in lawn chairs and shooting the breeze. And that was in a portion of the yard that is unfenced. So I didn't have to worry about who's watching the dog and what are they doing. I knew where they were and I knew what they were doing. And my dogs had something to do. Everyone was just chill and it was so nice. And then as people were starting to leave, I didn't have to worry about, is she following them to their car? Are they standing in the driveway? I knew where they were and I knew what they were doing. And then as people started leaving, I kind of took my dogs back in and then I could kennel them up, which my dog crates are an essential part of the house. For some people, kenneling your dog up is a nice way to let them excuse themselves to the back room. At my house, at the start of a party, that's the worst place because it's high traffic and everybody, and they've got to walk like right past the dog crate. So that's why I put her upstairs because that would have just been an awful place to start off at. Well, and I think, too, another thing you just said that kind of triggered a thing for me that I think is a really important note to make. So when you're having a family dinner and the children at the table ask to be excused, it's because they're bored with what the grown-ups are doing and they want to go off and do their own thing. 
And dogs right. experience the same sort of sense, in my opinion, your thoughts on that and the ability to go rest quietly in their dog crate or go into a safe area where they can chew on a bone. That is much more comfortable for the dog than right. being forced to suffer through Great Aunt Margaret's 38th story of the fall of the Berlin Wall or, you know, whatever it is, right? <laughs> right. And great mention about chewing in a crate and excusing the kids from the dinner table because chewing is a great stress reliever. So if you're going to ask your dog to make a public appearance and do great things, then in turn, give them outlet to kind of relieve some of that stress. And chewing on whatever their favorite chew item is, a yummy Kong, an antler, a whatever it is that you already use in your house, it gives them an outlet to vent out some of that stress because all stress is not bad and all stress is not good. And let's face it, when you host a dinner party, there is a certain level of stress you feel as the hostess. And that's not bad. That doesn't mean don't ever have a dinner party. It just means that it's there. And why wouldn't our dogs feel the same way? If we feel that way, why wouldn't they? And and I want to just take another transition from the dog show ring. So listeners are familiar with my concept of, the communication flows down the leash. That's what I talk. What I mean when I'm talking about communicating, the dog feels everything right. that we feel when we are attached yes. to the leash. So if we're calm, they're calm. Mm-hmm. If we're stressed, they're stressed. But the dogs pick up on your anxiety. You yes. Know, are the hard-boiled eggs perfect or, you know, is the mayonnaise right. going bad? All of that anxiety comes through to your dog. And so it's going to pick up whatever additional introvert, extrovert issues the dog may have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you don't even have to have a leash catch for your dogs to pick up on that. I have a wire hair that is very much in tune to where my stress level is right. at any given point in time. So yep. you don't get the dog you want, you get the dog you need. And I got one that is teaching me how to better manage my stress level. <laughs> and we all need those dogs. Everybody does. And right. for it. I had wire hair pointer that I called my PhD in dog handling. And you know what? Those are great dogs because we become better people and better exhibitors or better owners or better whatever it is. But I really like the specific suggestions, the crating when people arrive, crating when people leave, place and working through the anxiety level and knowing your dog enough to know what's going to work for them and what isn't in terms of what's going to give us the best participation with the event, the gathering, the whatever it is we might have for your individual dog. And you may have a gregarious gut that loves everyone that just wants to be in the thick of things and as happy as a clam. And your goal is to just have them not be in everybody's lap. Right. (laughs) I mean, I have a few of those. So there's different levels of requirements for each dog. Absolutely. And, you know, the duration of the party, like, is it a graduation where grandma and grandpa are going to stay for four days? Is it Christmas where somebody's coming, going to have company for a week? You know, those might be situations where your dog would rather go on vacation and maybe go to their favorite boarding place and hang out with their dog friends and not deal with all that traffic and aunts and uncles and grandparents and then come home maybe at the tail end or after everyone's gone home and they've cut their house back. And that's okay too. And P.S., Sometimes it's less stressful for the humans just to not deal with the dog. 
at all. Like there have been times that I've gone to dog friendly events that I've left my dog at home because I'm not working. It's my day off. I want to be in my fuzzy socks and I'm not babysitting the dogs and I'm not in charge of any of them. And I'm just going to drink my drink and enjoy the show. Like I want to be off duty. And so there've been times that while my dogs were welcome, I opted to leave them at home because I just wanted to sit and do people things. Right. I think that's really important. And again, I think that goes back to know yourself, know your dog, know the event. It's a level of consciousness. Like, I don't think any of this is rocket science for most folks that are listening. You know, you guys all know your dog. Right. Set your dog up for success. Set yourself or your friends or your family or whoever up for success by making a realistic evaluation of the situation, a realistic training program for your dog that says what it can and cannot handle, and then act on that and go from there. I think those are the things that we sometimes, even those of us who are long time at it, forget about. And so I just think a little right. refresher course, a little reminder about, you know, there's somebody else to think about here. Let's think about the dog right. for 30 seconds and figure out what's going to be the best situation. Absolutely. And what's going to be a good time for you too? Like, is it worth right. the stress of incorporating that to you? Because there is a level of stress and dedication and maybe you just don't want to on that day and you just want to enjoy the ribs and the air and the fireworks, which is a right. whole other, I mean, we'll yeah, fireworks, that a whole other thing. We'll get time. to that one in a couple of months. <laughs> right. But yeah, being cognizant of that and how much work you want to put in. And these are right. all things like if you know, I'm getting a new puppy and I know I have a high traffic house and let's start practicing these skills in advance or I don't have a high traffic house and I got a kid graduating high school next May. So maybe between now and next May, I should practice some of these skills because we're not going to have a ton of opportunities to practice. You know, it's not a steady flow of people coming and going. So practicing when there's less distractions and less stress and teaching that on your pillow. Right. You need to practice when there isn't a performance. Right. When there is a performance, whether it's in a ring or in your home, the performance right. goes more smoothly if you've practiced it beforehand. Absolutely. Excellent. And the other Excellent. thing is when we were talking about on your pillow is, so I was working with a client who had some struggles, some things that weren't going how she wanted them to go. And so I gave her some suggestions and she said, oh, this is great. Now I know what to do in this situation. Right. And I said, yeah. Yeah. And imagine how your dog feels. Oh, now I know what to do in this situation. The doorbell rings, company comes over. I know I go to on my pillow as opposed to, okay, people are coming in. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to greet them? Am I not supposed to greet them? Am I supposed to, right? Right. And they have no feedback on what they're supposed to be doing. And And that's really stressful. I always laugh because you and I can talk about this stuff. And I think some people get so wrapped up in it. To me, that's exhibiting leadership. You know, whatever name you want to put on it, that's leadership. And you have to give your dog leadership. You can say, or someone else can say, oh, it's teamwork, or it's this or it's that. But the whole concept is communication. (laughs) Yes, because start a job. How would you feel if your boss showed up, greeted you at the door, said, here's your desk, and didn't say another word to you till lunch? You may go to lunch now. Like, was I supposed to answer the phone? Was I not supposed to answer the phone? What am I supposed to work on? 
So, yeah, that's all about yep. be a leader, not a boss. We've yep. seen those memes and employee retention and how do you groom employees that are going to be highly productive and invested in the work that they do. It's Give them all, information. Yeah, it's all just dog training. All the same concept. <laughs> awesome, man. All right. Thank you so much, listeners. I hope you enjoy Kristen as much as I do. I always get good insight and good ideas when we talk. So thank you for joining us, everyone. Thank you for joining us, Kristen. And we will have some links to some good exercises you can practice with your dogs before the big barbecue. <laughs> yes. Both practice before it gets there, for sure. Thank you again. It was so awesome being on the show again. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.